Jesus makes 11 appearances after his resurrection. This is my favorite of those appearances. And in this appearance that we see here in John, in, in John chapter 21, we see so much revealed about the personality of Peter and even the personality of John. And it gives us a clear picture of the power of Jesus to restore our relationship when we fall. Let's, uh, the, the uh, video there kind of recapped where we are this morning, but I, I want to go back. Um, it won't be on the uh, screen this morning, but I want to go back and kind of recap verses 1 through 14 in chapter 21. It probably says there in your heading, it may say in your Bible, Jesus appears to seven disciples. Um, Jesus, beginning in verse 1, it says, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. You see, the disciples have left Jerusalem. They've gone back to the region of Galilee, where they are, most of them are from. And Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, who would be James and John, and two other of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Don't you imagine that as they have come from Jerusalem, they've come back to the place where they have, are from, and they have gone through all of this traumatic experience there during the Passover week. They've witnessed the resurrection. They know that Jesus is not in the tomb. Uh, they've witnessed the, the crucifixion. Then the resurrection happens. They know that Jesus is not in the tomb but they still are struggling with putting it all together. And there's great anxiety among these seven men. They're, they just don't know how to piece all this together. And so what do they do? They naturally go back to doing what they know how to do. They go fishing. Maybe for some of you, that's your stress reliever. Maybe you go fishing when you've got a stress or anxiety. Um, and that's what these men do. They go back to doing what they know how to do. And in verse number 4 it says, Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered Him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not even able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. They're not catching anything. A man appears on the shore and he tells them, cast it to the other side. It's deja vu. Do you realize that this is the second time that Jesus has appeared to them in this same way and said the same thing to them as they're struggling to catch fish and they can't catch any? Now, look at John's perception here. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. Simon is so perceptive. His heart is so in tune with Jesus that when he sees this event and he hears that voice, he automatically knows it is the Lord. It can't be anyone else but the Lord Jesus who is on the shore telling us to do this. Don't you long to live in such a way that your heart is so connected with the Lord that when He gives you instruction, you automatically know that it's the Lord. And you're like John here. 
calm and cool and collected and just know, hey, it's the Lord and everything's going to be alright. But then we see the personality of Peter, which is so presumptuous. What does Peter do? Peter goes full bore. Look at, listen to that. He says, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. Now, they get out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Wow. They've got a boat full of fish. They're, they're bringing those fish in thinking if we get those fish over there, we'll build a fire, we'll have breakfast, we'll talk to Jesus. Jesus already prepared. He's, all, he's always ahead of us. He's always ahead of us. So Simon Peter went aboard, hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although they were so many, in the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Wouldn't you like to eat breakfast with Jesus? And some mornings I do. Oh, you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, I am. But some mornings I do. Some mornings I sit right in my backyard and I have breakfast with Jesus. Just me, just, just, just us. Just me and Jesus and the birds. And it's wonderful. And there they are. They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. Jesus serves them. This was, how the third, this was now the third time Jesus was revealed to the disciples after He was raised from the dead. Last Sunday we celebrated Resurrection Sunday. This morning I want to talk about a restoration breakfast. And how Jesus restores Simon Peter. And here's the point of everything that I'm going to say this morning. We should not be surprised if the Lord at times test the extent of our love for Him. We should not be surprised if the Lord at times test the extent of our love for Him. Let's read verses 15-19 through 19 together. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. Peter here is declaring Jesus, Jesus' omniscience and Jesus' deity here. He says, You're God. Don't you remember? I declared one day that you're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. You know everything. You know my heart. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. It's a picture of Peter's martyrdom and his death. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. This is a beach scene. 
Jesus led Peter through an experience that would remove the cloud of his denial. Three times Peter had denied Jesus, and now three times Jesus asked Peter if he loved him. When Peter answered yes, Jesus told him to feed his sheep. That's one thing to say you love Jesus, but the real test is our willingness to serve Him. Paul, Peter had repented, and here Jesus is asking him, Peter, recommit your life to me. Peter's life changed when he finally realized who Jesus was. His occupation changed from fisherman to evangelist. His identity changed from impetuous to rock. And his relationship to Jesus changed. He was forgiven. He got grace. And he finally understood the significance of Jesus' words about his death and resurrection. Jesus questions Peter about his love. Now do you know someone who you have to repeat a question to over and over to get their attention? Some of you wives are probably thinking about your husbands. Some of you uh, parents are thinking about your children. My children are probably thinking about me. They, they, they will say things to me over and over. They try to get my attention. They'll, daddy, daddy, daddy. And then finally it's, hey, Michael. And finally they get my attention through that. And I'm, I'm, I'm hearing what they have to say. Peter is that person. Peter is that person that Jesus continuously, if you're a student of the Scriptures, and you've read through the Gospels, you know that more times than not, Simon Peter is that person. He's that person that Jesus has to say things over and over to to get his attention. Now here's what we know about Peter from the Scriptures. He's the leader and the spokesman for the disciples. Sometimes he had little faith, and sometimes he was presumptuous. He could even be timid. Sometimes he was self-seeking, and at other times he was self-sacrificing. He could be spiritually perceptive, and other times he was slow to understand spiritual matters. At one moment, he boldly confessed, you are the Messiah. A short time later, he would angrily declare, I do not know this man. In other words... He's just like us. Jesus here addresses Simon Peter. He addresses him as Simon, son of John. Now he goes back to the original name that Simon had, that Simon Peter had when Jesus met him. If you remember from a few weeks ago when we talked about their first encounter, Jesus meets Simon and he knows all about him and he changes his name from Simon to Cephas, which we translate as Peter, which means the rock. Later on, he would say, I'm going to build my church upon you. I'm going to build my church upon you and these other disciples who are like you. But Jesus always goes back to Peter's original name when he's trying to get his attention. Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? The first time, he asked it this way. He says, do you love me more than these? Now, what, what are these? We look in, and we look at this picture, and it could be the fish there that Jesus had prepared, or the fish that they're dragging in 
off the shore. It could be that Jesus is saying, do you love me more than these fish? But after all, Peter has been out in a boat all night long and he's physically tired and he's probably hungry and he probably is wanting to sit down and eat these fish. And it could be that Jesus is saying these fish because it's Peter's occupation as a fisherman and Jesus is saying, do you love me more than these fish that you make a living with? But what Jesus is saying here, what we know is this. Jesus is saying to Simon Peter, do you love me more than these other six men do? Do you love me more than they do? And so Simon Peter says to Jesus, he says yes. Now, let's do a little English and Greek lesson here combined. Um, I've, I've encouraged both of my children um, when you, you know, to at least minor in English because nobody your age can communicate right or know how to communicate well, so at least minor in English so that you can communicate with other people. Um, but Jesus changes verbs here. He uses, we, we see it translated in the English as love, but in the Greek it's translated differently here each time. The first time Jesus said, do you love me more than these? He's using the Greek word agape, which we know is self-sacrificial love. It's an unconditional love. The second time Jesus focuses on Peter alone, and He still uses the word translated into Greek, agape, that unconditional love. But the third time that He asked Peter, Jesus uses the Greek word translated phileo in love. And it signifies an affection, an affinity, or a brotherly love. So in effect, when He asks Peter the third time, do you love me? What He is saying to him is, do you even count me as your friend? And this really had to sting Peter to have went and walked with Jesus for three years, and now Jesus says, are you even my friend? Each time Peter responded with the word translated in the Greek as phileo, he's trying to say, yes, I'm your friend. Yes, I have affection for you. Yes, I have love for you. Yes, it's a, it's a brotherly love that I have for you. Now notice, Jesus here asked him three times. Jesus doesn't settle for quick. He doesn't settle for superficial answers. He wants to get to the heart of the matter. And sometimes He tests our love by getting to the heart of the matter. Peter had to face his true feelings and his motives when Jesus confronted him. This morning, how would you respond if Jesus asked you, do you love me? Do you really love me? And are you even my friend? How is your love for Jesus this morning? How is your relationship with Jesus this morning? As we were singing that wonderful song there at the end, are you so estranged from Jesus? Are you so far from Jesus that you couldn't worship with us and you know that something is cold in your heart and you want it to change? Jesus is reaching here to Peter and saying, 
I'm giving you this opportunity. I'm testing your love. And he reminds him of his service. Look at Jesus' response here. He says to Peter, when, when Peter says, yes, I love you, he says, then feed my lambs. Look back at Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32, there in the upper room at the Last Supper. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Peter is sitting and he's not bothering anybody. He's listening to debate, a debate between two of the other disciples about who is the greatest. And he's not really involved in the conversation because probably in his mind, he's thinking, you're wasting your breath. I'm, I'm, I'm the leader. And then Jesus, out of the blue, stops the conversation and looks at him and says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he may sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And it's at this point now that Jesus is saying to him, Satan has, Peter, do you love me? Peter responds, yes, Lord. And he says, feed my lambs. And what Jesus is saying here is, Satan has sifted you like wheat. You have denied me three times. But here we are. You're in my presence. Remember when I told you there in the upper room that when you returned, strengthen your brothers. So what Jesus is saying here now is, you have to be the strength of this group. You lead the other ten who are here. And as we know through the first, uh, about first 15 chapters of the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, we know that in the early church, Peter was the leader and he was the strength of the group. He was arrested two times and told not to preach and not to use the name of Jesus. But he boldly went back each time and, and declared that Jesus is Lord. Then Jesus says to him two other times, Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. You see, Jesus is the chief shepherd and He appoints Peter and the other apostles here to be His subordinate shepherds to lead His church here on earth. Peter will demonstrate his love for Jesus by loving God's people and feeding them with His Word. Now, then we see this. Jesus gives him a restoration. There's a moment of restoration here. Can you imagine the moment that Jesus asked Peter that third time, do you love me? Imagine the despair in Peter's heart. As it dawns on him, this is three times that Jesus has asked me that question. And he remembers that he denied Jesus the same number of times. And as Jesus asked him that third time, I can maybe imagine that in Peter's mind, he's back in that courtyard there and he's locked eyes with Jesus as he denies Him for the third time and he says, I don't even know this man. And he hears a rooster crow and he locks eyes with Jesus 
And the despair is so great in his heart that he leaves from that moment and he goes out of the city and he openly weeps because of how he has failed Jesus. Maybe as Jesus asked him that third time, do you love me? Maybe there's a rooster crow echoing in his head and he's remembering that moment where he denied Jesus for the third time. But now, imagine this. Peter has locked eyes with Jesus again on that third time that he asked Him, do you love me? And he realizes everything that Jesus has spoken to him for three years, and in this moment, Peter understands the grace of God better than anyone who has ever lived. Because he is looking in the eyes of God, and God is forgiving him there. God the Son is standing there, He has served Him, and now He is forgiving Him. Peter understands grace in such a way that it changes everything about Him. Jesus goes on here after this, and He says, after He tells Him that third time to feed My sheep, He says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Peter is restored here to the point of having a boldness that he never had before. A boldness that would lead him back to the city of Jerusalem to help establish a church there that would become the center of the whole world and that would explode from that point and reach the other regions and then completely reach the whole known world at that time. Peter who had denied Jesus would one day stand not long from now on the day of Pentecost after Jesus has ascended back to heaven it will be Peter who stands and boldly proclaims a great sermon there on that day and 3,000 souls will be saved. And the whole city will be changed. And he's so bold that one day Jesus says, someday Peter, they're going to lead you out of a city. You're not going to want to go, but you'll go and you'll be martyred for my name, for the sake of the gospel. Now, a lot of people at that point might have said, Well, you know, my boat's right here. Yeah, my, my boat is still here. You know, Jesus, I'll, I'll just stay here. Why, why don't I just stay here in Galilee and I'll, I'll run this fishing business? And I'll take the money that I, that I make from this fishing business. I'll work double time. And I'll send that money to the, the other guys in Jerusalem. You know, and, and you know, this going outside the city and being hung upside down on a cross, ah, that's just not for me. 
I've known men, I've known men who were called by God to be preachers, and I've listened to them. I've listened to them talk about, well, I told the Lord, you know, I'll teach Sunday school. I'll teach Sunday school. I don't want to preach. I'll just teach Sunday school. Or I'll sing in the choir. When the Lord called me to preach, if I had told the Lord I'll sing in the choir, He would have said, you know, that miracle, mm, that's not going to happen. I used to preach, I preached at every little country church in, in Calhoun County, Cherokee County, every, everywhere around here. And every Sunday when I would go in and I would sit down, they would come over, a deacon would shake my hand and he said, is your wife going to sing a special? <laughs> and I'd say, absolutely not. <laughs> but then, listen to this. Listen to these two words. Follow me. There on a seashore in Galilee, Simon Peter is restored. And just like the day that he called Andrew and Peter as he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he said, follow me, and they dropped their nets, and they left their boat, and they went on the greatest adventure, and they went on the greatest ministry that there has ever been with the Lord Jesus Christ. And they learned from Jesus, and He taught them, and He discipled them, and He sent them out all over. And now Jesus is saying, Peter, I have chosen you. I've picked you, the denier, the blasphemer. I've picked you. You're going to be the leader of this church. You're going to be the one who preaches my message. You're going to be the one who takes care of these men. You're going to be their leader. I pick you. Can you imagine the thrill in Peter's heart as he hears these familiar words? Everything about him, he, he has a burden lifted off of him like we can't even understand. And the denial uh, that he made is erased by what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary. I pick you. Follow me. Today, today He's saying to you, to each individual on a pew here, I pick you. Follow me. Oh, not me. You don't know where my relationship with the Lord is. You don't know what, what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm struggling with. It's nothing compared to what Peter was struggling with. It's nothing compared to what Peter has gone through. It doesn't compare. He's picked you, each and every one of you, to be His disciples, to go and to tell others about Jesus. 98% of those who claim to be Christians have never told another person about their relationship with Jesus Christ. Have never attempted to lead someone to the Lord. Never. 
We're doing better than that here. But He's picked all of us. He's called all of us. He may not have called you to get on an airplane and go to a foreign land, but He has called you to be here and to be a declaration of His resurrection and a a declaration of His grace and love. You see, He's tested my love. Not long ago, I was, I was different than I've been in just the last few months. I remember when I was called to be pastor here and I was setting up my office. I remember my dad saying to me, you don't have enough books. And I, I, didn't, I, I tried to explain to him that I have as many books as you see on these shelves. I have that many digitized. But he, he said, you don't, you don't have enough books. And my, I, my dad left and, and uh, I was all hyper-spiritual and I said to myself, I'm about people, not pages. I'm about people, not books. Well, and I was. But what I've noticed is there's been a shift in my life. There's, there's been a shift. I've had two men give me their whole libraries since then. My, my office is filled with books now. I, I trip over books. But I fell in love with books. And I, I've always been a lover of books. I love to read. I love. And I love nothing better than to read theology. But what I've noticed is, since Christmas, I've noticed a shift in my life. And I'm more comfortable sitting with a book on my lap reading about the Lord and being somewhere and being somewhere telling about the Lord. I've noticed a change in my spirit. I noticed that everything aggravates me and everything sets me off and everything upsets me to the point that um they probably wished that I would, at home, they probably wished I would move into this office. It has a shower. They probably wished I would stay here and read books. But the Lord had dealt with my heart. Now, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to deny that this afternoon I'll sit with a systematic theology book on my lap and I'll read four chapters sometime this afternoon because it's what's due. But I asked the Lord earlier this week. I asked Him to change my heart. And I asked Him, I said, would you put people in my path? Would you put people in my path that I can help? Would you put people in my path that I can be a minister to? Be careful. (laughs) Because He has. Last Monday morning at 10 a.m., this sermon here, I had all of my research already done, already stacked up, and I sat down and I wrote out my outline. I knew the scripture that I wanted to preach, and I sat down and I wrote out my outline. I walked in here at 10 a.m., Micah was sitting right up there, I handed it to Micah, 
I said, here's my outline for this Sunday. I know you're going to be gone. You can go ahead and get it in. And as I was walking out of the sanctuary, I said, wow, I'm really ahead of the game. I really, I'm doing good this week. And from that moment on, I thought about the sermon a lot, but the Lord never let me get back to that sermon. He never let me sit down at a laptop with a keyboard and write that sermon. And I kept thinking about it as the week went on. I thought, well, I've got my outline. I've got my research done. I've got all that together. You know, Friday. I'll get to it sometime Friday. Well, stuff popped up Friday. I said, well, Saturday. Things came up Saturday. Yesterday, I told them, I said, now, I'm y'all's for a little while, but then I've got to go and I've got to work on this sermon. The day kept going and I, I didn't get there. And about eight something last night, Bryson dog sits for one of our neighbors and we, I took him down there to, to help that neighbor out to, to let the dogs out and I was going to leave from there and come up here. But one of the dogs is afraid of lightning and a lightning bolt hit and we couldn't find the dog. And so I'm chewing his ear. I've got to get to the church. I've got to work on this sermon. You're holding me up. I told you hours ago to get down here and I'm just all over him. Well, what we didn't know after we spent 30 minutes combing the neighborhood and looking in the woods and everywhere for this dog, I went to the door and there the dog had been in the house the whole time. So I explained to Bryson how he's killing me and all the stress he puts on me and, and then I leave and I come here and I, on my way here, I run into someone who needs the Lord. Someone who needed... Someone who needed to tell me their burdens and their heartaches. So about 9.30 last night, I finally sat down with a laptop. And I started typing the sermon. And I got it finished at 11.30. I hit print. I went to the printer. And like any good Baptist minister, I celebrated with a six-pack. Of cream-filled jelly donuts. <laughs> but when I went there, almost at midnight last night, I wouldn't pay any attention. I set my stuff down. I had my money out. And a lady behind the counter said, Are you ready for tomorrow? And I looked up and I said, oh, well, I am now. I said, about just a few minutes ago. She began to share. She began to share her heart. And her burden for children. And her burden for the children of this community. And the burden that she has for leading people to the Lord. And the burden that she has because she has to work and she can't be there with her children. And the burden that she has to strengthen their relationship with the Lord. And, and these things, and we stood there, and we just talked, and we talked about the Lord, and we talked about His goodness. And when I left there, and I sat down on my seat, I knew that the Lord had changed things. I know that there's a man coming this week who saw me yesterday, and he said, I need to come and see you. When can I come? And I said, you name the time, I'll be there. I know that I have an appointment with a man tomorrow who 
wants to pour his life into mine and share with me. And I know that it just simply took the Lord getting my attention and saying to me, you've drifted. It's not what I called you to be. I called you because you live here and you know people and you love people and you love this community and I called you to be a part of this community to reach this community and you're sitting reading books. And that's important but it's not all that I called you to do. So God is speaking to some of you this morning and He's saying to you, I want to restore you. I'm your pastor, and I am being as transparent. I know a lot of men who wouldn't stand here this morning and say this to you. But I'm willing to say, I'll take the lead. And the Lord has changed my heart. He's speaking to some of you this morning. and He wants to restore a relationship that you've let grow cold. He's speaking to some of you right now and He's saying to you, there are relationships, friendships, and family. There are relationships inside the four walls of these church that you need to restore and get right. Because someday, Jesus has given us this example here in John 21 of how He forgave and restored and someday you're going to stand before Him in judgment and He's going to ask you, why didn't you take the first step in restoring that relationship and making that right? How is he speaking to you this morning? Taylor, would you come? Would you bow your heads with me? <clears throat> Father, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for the power of everything that you do. I thank You that You hold this world in Your hand, that You are the sovereign ruler of this universe. And Lord, we can either live humble or You will humble us. I pray that we will live humbly in Your presence knowing that You are the Creator King and that You sent Your Son to die for us so that we could have eternal life. This morning, I want to offer up to you and say, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, that's the first restoration you need to make. If you've never been forgiven of your sins, if you've never repented of those sins, and said, I need you, Jesus, to be the Lord and Savior of my life, would you do that this morning? I'm here, Seth will be here, Donna will be here. We will take Scripture and we will explain to you how to know you have eternal life. Maybe you've not been baptized. I want to say to you that Jesus walked 70 miles. He walked 70 miles to be baptized. You'd only have to walk a few feet. Maybe you need to partner with this church in ministry through membership. Maybe you need to come to these altars and bow your knee and say, Restore me, God, to the place I once was in my relationship with you. Relight the fire in my heart. I'm living in sin. I'm living away from your presence. I want you to restore me to where I was. Young people who are here, that Bible verse on your Twitter page may fool your mother, but it don't fool God. How are you living?
How are you really living? All across this congregation, God is speaking to hearts. Will you be obedient this morning? Father, take this time. May we use it wisely. May we worship you. But more than anything else, may we declare that we want to be right with Jesus. It's in His name we pray. Would you stand this morning? As Taylor leads us, if you have a need, would you come this morning?